Let's pray together. Lord, we love you and we praise you. We thank you that we can cry out to a holy, holy, holy God. And that you uh, indeed are worthy of our praise. You indeed are worthy of all honor and worthy of every uh, every ounce of our, our heart, every ounce of our, our being, God. And, uh, and we praise you for it, God. Uh, we thank you that in your love you came to us through your Son, Jesus Christ. And, and our lives are a... Uh, are just a reflection of who you are. Uh, God, I, I pray that you would you would draw us closer to yourself tonight. Tonight's lesson is a little different in the sense that uh, we're talking uh, very foundationally about a practical thing that is, that is uh, widely neglected within the church. Uh, and even mostly as far as, as far as I know among my peers and stuff that uh, among preachers and uh, and, and God, it's just, it's just a, it's a, a blind spot. And so, Father, I pray by your grace, God, that you would open our hearts through your spirit to, to the truth of, of the, the strength behind what we're talking about tonight. Uh, and, and God, that, that it's your way. It's your ordained way. And so, Lord, I, I just ask that you would, you would come and you would speak in a mighty way uh, this evening. Father, speak through me as I stand upon the authority of your word, but behind the cross, so that you may receive all of the glory. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Uh, going, uh, uh, go ahead, excuse me, and turn to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 is uh, where we're going to be this evening. Uh, and uh, in verses 16 through 18, and, and we are going to be talking about fasting uh, this evening. And, and but what we're going to do this evening is we're going to we're going to kind of lay the groundwork. We're going to kind of lay the groundwork behind fasting, and then next week we'll we'll get into uh, into the way that God responds to our fasting. Okay, uh, so that's that's kind of where we are. Uh, when I first got to college, uh, a couple of my buddies were. Uh, uh, Part of fraternities, they had rushed or whatever it's called, and, and they had joined uh, some fraternities. And I went over to a friend's apartment, and uh, and was asking him about it. You know, how's, what's what's the deal with the fraternity? What's going on? All that kind of stuff. And uh, and he said, I, I really can't tell you. And and you know, this is kind of the thing about fraternities is you know that they exist, obviously, but you know they also have kind of like this secret society kind of thing going on. And and so if you're not in the in group, then you kind of get left out, you know. And uh, and anyways, I, I started making fun of them for it. I was like, you're part of this secret society. You gotta hold everything away from everybody. They're gonna make you do crazy things. And and we were kind of joking about it. And he said, hey, I want you to check out that book on my coffee table. And so I looked at the book, and there was a big triangle on the front of it, and it said something to the effect of Pythagorean theorem and other geometric principles. I said, no, thank you. <laughs> I have no desire uh, whatsoever to look at uh, this book. And he said, that's the point. And of course, at that point, that uh, piqued my curiosity, and so I grabbed the book, and inside of this book was the guidebook for his fraternity. And then he quickly snatched it out of my hand so that I, I wouldn't get past the cover sheet there. Uh, but I think this kind, of, uh, this kind of special elite group is kind of how we view uh, fasting sometimes. 
within the church. I think it's obviously something we're all very aware of, but it's something uh, that I believe that only a select few are actually involved in. And, and those who are, who are fasting, it's not like it's an exclusive club. <laughs> and it, and it's, not, uh, it's, it's not like they're even public about their fasting. But, but those who don't fast, I believe, at least this has been my experience and, and experience of some people that I've talked to about it, it it's almost feels like this super Christian kind of activity. And if, if, if not a super Christian, then kind of an ultra needy, like something very difficult or you're going through a very hard time or, or you know, something extreme happened. And so we kind of have this idea that fasting is only for the elite Christian or the desperate Christian. It's the same sort of thinking that I think the modern church has begun to eradicate about missions. It used to be only the special elect few called out ones were to be uh, missionaries, but, but Scripture clearly teaches that all Christians are to live missionally and make disciples of all nations. Uh, so to me, uh, it seems like that we have not gotten over this same sort of stigma when it comes to fasting. But the same truth still applies. It is intended for all Christians. Fasting is intended for all Christians. And that's where we're picking up in the Sermon on the Mount tonight in verses 16 through 18. Jesus says, When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do. For they disfigure, excuse me, they disfigure their faces to show men they are fasting. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face. So that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Now, uh, this, this talks about fasting and hypocrisy uh, hand in hand. And it's the same thing that we've talked about with, with hypocrisy and giving and hypocrisy and prayer. And, and again, Jesus mentions it here with fasting. And so this is, this is like we've said before, this is a warning against the heart uh, behind fasting. If, you're, if your heart is, as Jesus says, to show men that you are fasting, then, then your reward is going to be this fleeting and perhaps imaginary response from other people. Uh, that, you know, yay for you, what a holy person you are. But that's, that's as much as you'll ever get from fasting. So verse 16 in particular is a check on your heart. It's saying if your motives are wrong in, in fasting, uh, then, then you shouldn't really expect too much uh, out of your fast. And you need to get before God and repent. Uh, because that's that's not where we're going. Uh, we do see, on the other hand, that fasting is expected. Fasting is expected. We did this exercise when we talked about prayer, but we're going to do it again because it applies so well. And, and just ask you a series of questions here. But do you believe that God has a will for the lives of all believers? Yes. All right. Do you believe God's will is good for the lives of all believers? If God has a will for your life and that will is good, do you believe that it is in your best interest to follow His will. Yes, you do. So what is God's will for us when it comes to fasting? Fast. God's will for your life when it comes to fasting is for you to fast. God expects it. Verse 16, Jesus says, when you fast. Verse 17, Jesus says, but when you fast. I think Jesus is trying to tell us something. Fast. But, before we jump too quickly off of that diving board, we need to make sure that there's water in the pool. (laughs) 
And that's what we're going to do tonight. We're going we're gonna to give us a basic understanding of fasting before, the, before we dive in. Because I think that can be a dangerous thing. If we dive into fasting and have no idea what we're doing beforehand, then we could actually be harming ourselves more than benefiting ourselves. Okay? And so, so let's just start with that basic question. What is fasting? Uh, Donald S. Whitney describes it like this. He says, fasting is a Christian's voluntary abstinence from food for spiritual purposes. Now, there's two parts of this definition for the Christian. It's one, a voluntary abstinence from food, which is the action. It is, it is what you're actually doing. You are voluntarily abstaining from food. And then there's the, the motive for spiritual purposes. So let's take each of those parts. Part one, voluntary abstinence from food. Now, some of you might stop right there and, and have a question. Is it just food? Are, are, is, is, is fasting just fasting from food? Now, I want to remind you, this is a biblical definition that Donald uh, Whitney gives us. And biblically, all the fasts recorded in Scripture are from food. But I believe that, that we can apply it uh, uh, to a greater view, I guess. I don't know what word there. Uh, we can apply it more broadly. That is, I don't believe we have to limit it just to food. It can be applied uh, to, to beyond food. Richard Foster says it like this. Fasting is the voluntary denial of a normal function for the sake of intense spiritual activity. So this includes any of our day-to-day activities, whether it be technology. I know uh, for, for many young people, and what, what we did when I was a youth minister is, is we would try to do a fast from our phones because phones have become the all-everything device. Uh, and so we would do a fast from phones. Many people are addicted to TV. So a fast from television. Some people fast from sleep. Uh, I've heard people fasting from, from sleep. And, and Paul even talks about uh, fasting from marital relations. Uh, and, and so we, we have just this, this wide gamut of things that we could fast from. Uh, however, I think eating and drinking is probably man's greatest natural uh, urge and it's probably therefore our greatest natural uh, our greatest sacrifice to God in fasting uh, so so let's look at this a little deeper scripture mentions many different types of fast and there's and they're basically into three different categories okay uh, and, and the first category is how this is the, the actual fulfilling the fast how are we going to do it and the first one is a typical fast. Okay, well, this is what we'll call a typical fast. It's abstaining from food, but not water. All right, it's abstaining from, you're not eating, but you're still able to drink. You're still able to drink water or other fluids, maybe juices, uh, that, that sort of thing. And this is, this is typically what is believed about Jesus' 40-day fast. When he went into the wilderness and, and, and Satan tempted him and all that stuff, that this is typically believed about Jesus. Matthew 4, 2 says, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Doesn't mention anything about being thirsty. Luke 4 2 says he ate nothing during those days. It says nothing about not drinking anything during those days. And this is probably the most common type of fast among Christians today. There's also partial fast, that is, limiting of the diet without full abstention. So this is this is the kind of fast that we see with Daniel. Daniel gets captured, he comes into the Babylonian captivity, and, and they try to feed him stuff, but for purity purposes, he says, no, just give me vegetables and, and water. And so this is a fast of a sort, it's, it's, a, it's a partial fast, alright? Uh, the third kind is an absolute fast, and that means nothing. 
No food or water. We see this in Ezra. I love this story of Ezra. I love the heart that Ezra has for his people. They have been taken into captivity and, and they are still uh, acting like pagans. <laughs> you know, they're, they're in the middle of, of captivity. They're in the middle of the punishment of God and they're not, they're not seeing that they need to repent. And, and it's breaking Ezra's heart and he fast forward. It says, while he was there, he ate, new, he ate no food and drank no water because he continued to mourn over the unfaithfulness of the exiles. Uh, it's also the same type of fast that we see with Esther. You remember Esther, she's going to go before the king and uh, on behalf of her people. And so she goes to Mordecai uh, and she says, Go, gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. And so this is this absolute fast. And then the final uh, type of fast on the, under the how section is a supernatural fast. And that is an extended absolute fast. And we only see two of these in Scripture. Uh, we see this with Moses uh, on him with receiving the law. And, and we see this with Elijah. And, and both did not eat or drink for 40 days. And obviously this is only possible by the hand of God. And so this is, this is our first category of fasting of which our most typical uh, response today would, would be the typical fast or where we don't eat but we still uh, drink, okay? Uh, Then we get to the second category, which is who. Uh, Who partakes in the fast, all right? So the first one is a private fast. Fasting is by done by an individual, and this is this is what Jesus is talking about in our passage uh, today in in Matthew chapter six. The word "you" is not the plural, but it's the singular, and so this is what Jesus is saying uh, uh, that that you fast. Well, we God expects you individually, me to fast. There's also such thing as a congregational fast. That the church can be called into a special time of fasting. We look at the church at Antioch, and, and they're about to send out uh, Paul and Barnabas to go do the work of Christ uh, and, and, and share the gospel in, in Acts chapter 13. And, and this is what we read. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. So here's, here's what we see in this passage is that God spoke to the church through a fast. They were already in the middle of a fast and they were in the middle of a worship and God spoke to the church. And then the church responded to God by continuing to fast. And so there's this, this, this kind of double role here that not only were they beseeching God to, to tell them what to do, but then they, they appreciated God by continuing to fast in, in their obedience. The third kind of uh, fast uh, of the who is the national fast. Uh, and that is a nation can be called into special times of fasting. Uh, this happened in Judah's history. Uh, they were invaded by Moab and Ammon and Jehoshaphat called a national fast. Second Corinthians or Second Chronicles, excuse me, twenty three says, Alarm, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. And and interestingly enough, we have had that in our nation as well. There have been five national fasts in our nation's history as well. One by President John Adams, one by President James Madison, and three by Abraham Lincoln during the Civil War. So this, we have the, the how, then we have the who, and final category is the when. All right? and, and so two types of when fast. There's the regular fast. And a regular fast is a planned, periodic 
fasting. Uh, God had one regular fast for the nation of Israel annually, and that was on the Day of Atonement. On the Day of Atonement, the Israelites were not to eat. Uh, the Pharisees fasted twice a week. Now, I understand that we don't typically hold the Pharisees' example up to what we should do, but remember, it's not what the Pharisees were doing that was the problem. It was the heart behind what they were doing that was the problem. In fact, even John Wesley would not ordain a man to the Methodist ministry unless he fasted twice a week. Now, I wouldn't follow that example because it's not biblical. That's not a biblical requirement. In fact, that's kind of Pharisaic. But the purpose behind what he was doing was he was seeking ministers who were spiritually mature. All right? And so we have our regular fast, and then we have our occasional fast. And that is fasting as needs arise. And this is the same kind of thing that we see with Esther. And this is the same kind of thing that we see with Jehoshaphat. So, so this, is, this is what we have. And so if you combine these categories together, if you, if you kind of put, take all three categories and summarize them into what we do today, what, what's most common today are typical, that means no food but liquids, private and occasional Fast. And so, so just to give you a point of reference, just to give your mind something to hold on to, that what we're talking about, just uh, think towards that. Think of a typical private and occasional fast uh, as, as we continue to talk. All right? And so, so this is our definition. We have a voluntary abstinence of food uh, or something else and four spiritual purposes. Now we get to the motive. Four spiritual purposes. Now, let me start by saying this. There is nothing magical. In fact, there is nothing spiritual about not eating. Uh, nothing whatsoever. In a very sad and real way, a lot of people struggle with a disease called anorexia that they don't eat. And there is nothing good about that, and there is nothing spiritual about that unless you mean demonic. There's, there's, nothing, uh, there's nothing Christ-like about anorexia. That is a disease. But fasting, in and of itself, uh, will not do you any good. Just by itself, fasting will not do you any good. You may lose a little bit of weight in the short term, but as soon as you start eating, you're going to gain it right back. That's, that's just how it is. Uh, and so the point is, we don't, we don't fast. Even as Christians, we know that we ought to fast, but we still don't fast just for the sake of fasting. Okay, uh, we don't fast just for the sake of fasting. I love this this testimony that this man gave about his first fasting experience. Uh, his name's Andy Anderson, and he wrote a book called "Fasting Changed My Life." He said several years ago, I heard a couple of pastors discussing fasting. On their recommendation, I tried my first fast. They said it was commanded in the Bible and should be practiced by every Christian. Being a Christian, I decided to try it. After putting it off for several days, I mustered up enough courage to start. I couldn't go to the breakfast table with my family because I didn't think I would have enough willpower to abstain from eating, so I went on to work. The coffee, the coffee break was almost unbearable, and I told a little white lie about why I didn't go with the group. All I could think about was how hungry I was. I said to myself, if I ever get through this day, I'll never try this again. The, af the afternoon was even worse. I tried to concentrate on my work, but all I could hear was the growling of my stomach. My wife prepared a meal for herself and our child, and the, and the aroma of the food was all I could bear. I figured that if I could make it till midnight, I would have fasted all day. I did, but immediately after uh, the striking of the hour of 12, I dug into food. I don't think that day of fasting helped me one bit. And the reality is, he's probably absolutely right. If we fast so that we can say that we have fasted, or if we fast so that we can 
feel like we have accomplished something by fasting. We have wasted our time. But if we fast for spiritual purposes, then we have participated in God's ordained means to spiritual breakthrough. We have participated in in the plan that God set forward to communicate with Him. So therefore, our fasting should always be accompanied by prayer. Our fasting should always be accompanied by prayer. And depending on the length of our fast, it should typically be accompanied by Scripture and worship. So, so what we see in fasting is that fasting is for spiritual purposes. It is God's way to have a spiritual breakthrough. And so what fasting really is, is fasting from food allows us to feast on God. That, that is the beauty of fasting. Is that as we pull away from natural desires, we are able to, set, uh, to settle in on supernatural desires. Uh, one... Uh, one, one commentator uh, talks about the fact that when our bellies are full, when, when, when we are completely content, and, and in our culture, really overeating, uh, but when, when our bellies are full, our hearts are more easily contented without God. Uh, Cornelius Plantinga Jr., and uh, <laughs> this is the first quote I've ever read of his, but I had to read his dad for my philosophy textbook. Blows you out of the water. And just incredible stuff. Uh, and I don't understand most of it. But anyways, uh, Planting a Junior says, Self-indulgence is the enemy of gratitude. That is why gluttony is a deadly sin. The early fathers believed that a person's appetites are linked. Full stomachs and jaded palates take the edge from our hunger and thirst for righteousness. They spoil the appetite for God. But... We deprive our bodies of their most basic need. We have to fill that void with something. We have to fill that void with something. And Jesus declares, God is the void filler. Matthew 4, 4, Jesus says, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. So when we fast, it is to encounter God. Not that our fasting changes God. Not that our fasting changes God's response to our prayers, but what our fasting does is is our fasting changes our intensity in our prayers. Our fasting changes our motives in our prayers. And oftentimes our fasting aligns our prayers with the will of God. So when we fast, we are able to call out to God for very specific spiritual purposes. Very, very, we can be very specific with God in our fast. God, we need this. We need that. Let me just give you some examples. Do you need boldness in your faith? Fast. And pray. So many have told me, I, ugh, I get into that witnessing situation, and oh, it all just tightens up, and I don't know what to do. And I still feel that. I still feel that when I'm, when I'm struggling, you know? Uh, or, or even not when I'm not struggling. When I'm just out there and I, and I have that opportunity, I have that moment of like, this is awkward, this is hard kind of stuff. If you need boldness in your faith, fast and pray for boldness. Do you need peace in your heart? Fast and pray. Do you want your relationship with God, generally speaking, to be strengthened? Fast and pray. Are you seeking for direction and God's will for your life? Fast and pray. Do you want revival for our church? Fast and pray. Now we all recognize that 
food being a natural desire, a natural urge, uh, that fasting can be hard from time to time. Uh, but I would encourage you with this. I would encourage you with this. A, a, even things that are hard are worth it because God says so. But B, there's, there's, I've taken some fast in my life, and, and one time I, I did a seven-day fast. And, and the reality is every time that I began to get hungry, every time that the, the hunger pangs started to be difficult and, and almost sometimes uh, I, would, I would think uh, unbearable, I prayed. I filled that gap. Literally, I filled the gap when I should have or I would have been eating with prayer. And I prayed for strength. And I prayed for God to, to help me, sustain me through that time of hunger. And He was always faithful. He was always faithful. In fact, after a couple of days, it wasn't a problem anymore. It didn't, it didn't bother me uh, anymore. And so what we see is that in, in our fast, we should spend the time that we would usually be doing whatever it is that we are giving up. We should spend that time in prayer. A, prayer for what we have set, a, set this uh, fast up aside for. I mean, whatever it is that you are actually praying for, you need to take that time to pray. All right? Uh, and you need to take that time to be in God's Word. And you need to take that time to be in, in worship. Uh, but also, give, pray for God to give you the strength to continue on, that you wouldn't uh, falter. Uh, and also, I think that what's important is, is prayer is a specific and special season, right? It, it's, if, if we're talking about the kind of uh, fasting that we're talking about, uh, that we described earlier, then, then it, we're, we're praying on occasion. We're praying for certain things on certain occasions. So this is a special season of prayer. And if you are setting apart a special season of prayer, then you need to set aside some extra time for it. Like, I think about football season. Now, football has become a year-round sport. We're all pretty aware of that. Most major sports have become year-round sports. That even when it's not season, you're, you're lifting weights, or you're, or you're doing seven-on-seven seven drills, or you're doing something. But when football season actually comes, you put in... Ten times that amount of time. Because it's actually the season. And that's how it is with fasting as well. When you have a season of fasting, when you have a season of fasting and prayer, you set apart extra time. You set apart extra uh, opportunities for you to get away with the Lord and fast and pray. And I love that Jesus kind of gives us a result from all of this. Sometimes you have to... You have to, uh, in, in your faith, and, and not that this takes away from, from faith, but sometimes it, it seems like there's a blank. You know, do this, and okay, and I'll do it because you're God and you're Lord. And, 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 but, but in this, Jesus gives us, hey, this is what you can look forward to when you fast and pray. In verse 18, the second part, it says, And your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. We will be rewarded. When we fast and pray, when we approach God, God's designed way, we will be rewarded. That is, God will respond. God will respond. It's a promise from the scriptures. Uh, And next week, we'll look into the specific ways that God responds by looking at Isaiah 58 and and looking at at, at that text and how it talks about uh, fasting. But I want to conclude by reading you this quote from 
Adrian Rogers. And he doesn't specifically mention fasting here. He talks, he talks specifically about prayer. Uh, but, but we're combining the idea here tonight. Adrian Rogers says, The church advances on its knees. Few things are talked about more in church than prayer. Yet relatively few saints know and experience the marvels of intercession. The chief weapon against Satan is prayer. Satan has many strongholds, many bastions of strength in America today. To try to break them down with Madison Avenue techniques would be as worthless as trying to remove the rock of Gibraltar by throwing snowballs at it. Satan sneers at our schemes, mocks our methods, laughs at our learning, but is paralyzed by our praying. So tonight I want to encourage you. You have a struggle. You have something that needs to be taken care of in your life. Whether it's physical, whether it's emotional, whether it's spiritual, whatever it is in your life that something needs to be taken care of. Have you considered taking God's method of fasting and prayer? I want to encourage you, wherever you are, if that thing has come, then, then, then take God up on His word. That he will respond to you in a fast or through fasting and prayer. Uh, moreover, pray that God, if, if you don't have that one thing that you feel like God's leading you, that you need to do that, pray that God would open that up for you. I don't think fasting, I think we can go on regular fast and that's okay, but I don't think a specific fast for a specific thing is something that we just willy-nilly walk into. I think it's something that God leads us into. And if being something that God leads us into and God wants everybody, all Christians to fast, pray that God would reveal something to you that He would want you to fast for. Wants you to be in serious prayer for. And then may we be bold enough to step in and buck the system. <laughs> may we be bold enough when, when no one else around us is fasting and, everyone, and most people around us think that it is absolutely crazy, whether it's from food, whether it's from entertainment, whether it's from hobbies, whatever it is, let us fast in order that we may feast on Him. So our call tonight, I don't know where you are, but our call tonight is that there is something in your life that you know is not where God wants you, or it's not what God has for you, but it's real you feel like you need to take the extra step of fasting, then I encourage you to, to come and pray at this pulpit, and by praying at this pulpit, make that decision public. You don't have to say what the thing is, but I encourage you, if you, if you would do that, get before God, come on your knees here tonight, or, and, just, and just make it public that I have something going on, and that I am going to beseech the Lord through fasting and prayer. May God use it. May God use it. And I pray maybe a month from now, a year from now, I'll hear reports. You know, I, he said, we talked about fasting that one night. You can't believe, won't believe what God's done this past year. And I look forward to that. I'll conclude again <laughs> with this final story. We, uh, at the Southern Baptist Convention, uh, the last thing that we did is Greg Mott, the pastor at First Baptist Houston, and Beth Moore, uh, uh, who goes to his church, uh, they got up and they led the entire uh, convention in a prayer time. And their prayer time was was twofold, basically. Uh, it was 
you have physical ailments or if you are a woman in here who has been barren and you are desiring a child but God has not opened your womb, let's pray for that. It was so powerful, that, that time of prayer. And then, and then afterwards, Greg Mott just said, I can't wait for next year. And canes are left at home and strollers are being pushed into the convention in Baltimore because it's going to be God. It's going to be God. And I, I just want to throw the same thing out to you. You believe that we serve a God who is capable of doing anything. You believe that you, we serve a God who not only is capable of doing it, but wants to do it for you, for your best interest. Give Him that opportunity. I'll open us in a general prayer. And if you want to come respond and let people know, I am fasting and I am going to pray for whatever this need is in my heart, then you come down here and you do that while we stand and sing together. Okay? So let's pray. Lord, I love you. Lord, I praise you. And Lord, I thank you that you have given us a very unique and special way that we can come into your presence and we can, we can dialogue with you. And so, Father, I pray uh, that, you would, that you would humble us enough to realize that we can't control all our own situations and that we can't, uh, we can't fix all our own problems. And sometimes you, you very well take us down in order that you may lead us to call on you again. So Lord, I ask in this place tonight, there are those who just want to see you move. You, they want to, to fast for a spiritual purpose, whether that be a healing whether that be growth, whatever it is, God. That they would mark this day as the day that they, they bow down to your way through fasting and prayer, trusted you to respond. God, they would keep up with it. Uh, knowing and looking forward to how you would respond. God, that however long from now, God, we would fill this altar with praise reports of what you did in our lives. So, Father, I pray that you would uh, you do this, God. And, and God, you lead us to come to you in, a, in, in your way. It's in Jesus' name that I pray.